Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. Hey, Crazy Cats. Welcome to part three of our The House in Between series. Uh, Today, we're going right to the source. You heard us talk to the investigators. You've heard us talk about the house. You've heard us talk about the documentary. We're going right to the source today. We've got the owner of the Mississippi House with us today, Alice Jackson. Welcome, Alice. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be able to talk to you. I am. I really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, I don't. I don't see you doing the circuit kind of like Brad and John do. You, you seem to hang back yeah. just a little bit, uh, and I don't blame you. You know, honestly, before uh, I moved into this house, I had absolutely no idea of anything paranormal. <laughs> and you might not believe this, but I have never watched one of those shows ever in my life. <laughs> I believe it. And the only thing I've Everything I've learned about paranormal, I've learned from my experience here, and then from Brad and John, whatever they say, and whatever they pick up, and they'll pick up some stuff. Uh, but I didn't know anything about the equipment. I didn't know what an orb was. I didn't know what anything was because uh, I just grew up, you know, in an isolated area, and I still live like that. Like, I like privacy, peace and quiet, the countryside, you know, reading. Like, I've, I've read, uh, I don't know how many books I've read in my life, but more than I can count. But uh, as far as, like, television shows, I don't know any, um, you know, uh, movies, I don't know any music. I mean, I know I'm, I hate to admit that I'm the only person on the planet that doesn't know anything about music, but I don't. <laughs> but I've read and uh, and you know I like to walk out in nature and all those kind of things. So I'm, I'm kind of a I like solitude. I like solitude. I do like people, but I like it interspersed with a lot of solitude. Now, are you from Mississippi originally? Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what what made you choose that particular piece of land to build your dream house on? Yeah, because, uh, let's say, uh, I moved to this little community because they had a good public school system, you know, and I couldn't afford anything, you know, private school or anything. They had a good public school system. So I moved here when I was, uh, when my child was uh, five. And then, uh, but that's not, you know, I moved in a little house that I later sold and paid down on this one because that's not the house I wanted to live in. And this is not a major house, you know, it's not a really expensive house or anything like that, but it's simple and it's the way I wanted it. So uh, I was looking for some land, and, and, you know, I drove by, and this is like a half mile out of this little town center, which is one red light. But anyway, it's half mile out, and, it, and I passed it, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful meadow, and it was in the spring, and it was covered with wildflowers, and it just, you know, took my breath away. I really liked it. You know, I really liked that. And so uh, we had we had looked at a bunch of different lots, and but when I saw that, you know, I, I thought this was the right one. It just had a pool to me, and, um, and it's still does. And it seems to have a pull to everybody. Yeah. Everybody who ever comes here. One time John said, you know, have you ever noticed that nobody ever comes once? You know, they always come. I said, yeah. It does have a pull. Everybody seems to feel a personal attraction somehow. Well, the house itself is beautiful. You had that built on that land? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got plans and then I offered it a little bit, you know, the way I wanted it. And uh, so it's, you know, it's simple, but it's exactly what I want. Yeah. So did anything happen while they were building the house? Yes, everything. I mean, lots of things. I mean, lots of things. But, you know, we just, we all, we, the family knew that, you know, that, that it was hard. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Uh, materials would, would disappear. And then uh, I remember the workman telling us, you know, you're going to have to lock this up somewhere. You're going to have to get a storage thing because when we come back, you know, our stuff's missing. Well, it would show back up. Maybe later that day, maybe two or three days. You know, and we thought that was awesome. Oh, how strange. Well, it really is because some of it was heavy stuff. And I remember thinking, where did it go? You know, I mean, where, you know, and how did it come back? And I still think about that. You know, I think if we had cameras everywhere, eventually, you know, we, we've got things missing. I mean, and come back in this house, you know, since it's been built. 
But I've always, you know, we put that camera up because I thought, now, where would it go when it disappears? Would you be watching that camera and then it just disappears and just blinks out? I think that's what would happen. I don't think you'd actually see it moving somewhere. I think it just blinks out until really what I think is another dimension. That's what I think. And I, we'll probably eventually capture that. But, uh, yeah, that would happen. And then uh, doors, you know, as soon as they were built, they would slam and, you know, and um, uh, I'm just trying to think. And then when we, uh, then when we, I remember a candle uh, specifically. I remember this because I had a little candle on the uh, right the coffee table, and um, we would go somewhere and it would come back and it'd be on the floor, you know, way across the room, different pl- places. But it would rarely ever be right in the candle holder where I left it. And so one day, um, my child's grandmother was sitting downstairs, right in front of it on the couch, in front of the coffee table, and I came out from the bedroom upstairs and I, and I was looking down at her, and uh, we saw that candle just get up and pick up and move over there by the fireplace you know we both saw it and we were just looking at each other because it was between us and we were just incredulous you know and uh so then after i saw that i thought well that's how that happens i mean it just picks up and goes up there it didn't shoot out like it was under any pressure or anything and it didn't you know just tipple over like it was loose it just got up and moved over there and i saw that with my eyes and she saw it with hers and uh it, it, I, it, I don't know, it's interesting. But I tell you, a lot of the weird stuff, you know, again, I didn't, you know, go around and blame it back, tell everybody about it. But, uh, but I can tell you that when things like that happen, now even, now even, like most of the time, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, it'll be, it, we'll have witnesses. It'll be when somebody, when people are here, or when, you know, when we're typing, or, you know, or be able to type. It's almost like uh, they want to be known. I mean, it really is. That that would not surprise me. Really? Can I can I ask you? So you you knew while the house was being built that the construction crews were having some hide and seek issues with their stuff and some experiences, right? Do you remember what the first experience was after you guys moved in? The very first experience. Uh, I remember. Uh, I just I remember one of the most dramatic and and uh, you, you know you've probably seen it if you saw the trailer. But uh, I, you know, I was a nurse and I get home. I mean, I worked uh, sixteen hours and twelve hours. But if I worked on weekends, I'd work sixteen hours. I get home at eleven thirty, and so a lot of things you know I just remember happening because I just gotten home. But I remember I came through that door and the house had just kind of gotten built and the door was built and all that. And I came in through the garage and um, I locked the door. I did bolted the door. You know, did did bolted the door and walked upstairs and as soon as I get up there it was like bam you know just shook the house and it was like bam and, and you know uh, actually my child's father was there too and we were like what in the and I looked out and uh, that door was open just wide open and the deadbolt was still sticking out oh you know? wow and uh, that happened and, yeah, in fact, somebody, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine just last night. You know, we, her grandchildren used to come over here with her, and they kind of were instrumental in pushing me to go ahead and get somebody to come look at. Because, but whenever we were, you know, last night we were just talking, and he brought that up, the kid. He was a kid then. He's like 22 or 34 now. But, but anyway, he said, I remember that. He's, I mean, not that time, but he said, I remember us, that happening when I was with you one time. You know, and uh, so, I mean, I know they can, uh, I know they can manipulate deadbolts. Because one time I came home, and at the time, I had deadbolts on every door, and uh, you had to, you know, to lock a house with deadbolts. You can deadbolt them all inside, except one, you gotta, uh, you got to lock it from the outside, you know. And so I came home, and uh, I remember I was locked out one time, and I was thinking, now, how did that happen, you know, because I was locked out of my own house. and I, but, but, but they can manipulate like deadbolts, I know that. And then I had a, a, a friend, and I can tell you all the stories in the top five hours if you want to, but anyway, I had a friend, and she, well, now I'm just telling because you know, I mean, I can tell you in a sentence, or I can tell you the whole story. But if I tell you the whole story about this, there was a, and I was, I had a friend, and she was uh, retired, and she moved to Louisiana, but she still wanted to work at the hospital that we worked at on a PRN basis, and you know, she just worked two or three days here and there, and so she would stay at my house. I just started staying there for free because I wasn't staying here, and so uh, she would uh, work at night, and she would 
what you're inside. And so she, uh, she had this cat that was declawed, and so she was just paranoid about that cat getting out. And, you know, she was just terrified somebody was going to come in and let the cat out. And so, but anyway, uh, she called me one time, and some weird, weird things had happened that day, weird things. And she was just total, you know, skeptic, a total, I mean, just no-nonsense type person. But anyway, she said when she got home that morning, after, she, you know, she'd been working on it, she got home, she said that the two of the back doors, you know, were open, just wide open. One is the glass door to the outside, and one is an interior door to the laundry room, but they, you know, they both opened up eventually to the outside. And she said both of those doors were wide open, and she realized that, yeah, realized that she said, I did not leave that house with those two doors open. And first of all, she said, I never used that back door, never, you know, and both of them were open. And that's happened more than one, I mean, with doors open like that, you know, when you know you lock them. So that kind of stuff started happening right away. I mean, right away. So how did the family react? You're, you're, daughter right daughter was young yeah we all knew it i mean we all we all talked about it i mean i mean you know we we, we talked about it. and i remember the bed pushing down you know you, like one time you know i was sitting on the bed with somebody else was just watching tv and the bed started you know it felt like an animal walk like a cat or something walking across the bed like it would go down and down and down and then a spot you know across the bed and we both looked at each other and it's like you know we both thought I, I know. I looked it up one time, and I was reading about how, you know, your brain can trick you, and sometimes a person thinks it feels like, you know, something like that's happening. But I'm thinking, if you've got two people, the odds of that happening when two people experience the same thing yeah, is just almost none. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I can, and, and I really do try to look for normal explanations always. And so I think, well, you know, but then I think, no, not when it's witnessed, not when more than one person. So it was just kind of hey, this is what happens in the house, and go about your day. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, doors would open and close, and we'd look at each other. If we had company or kids, you know, or people around, like, you know, somebody spending the night with my daughter, we didn't say anything. Door open, you know, you know, must be running on notice. It. I mean, you know, I mean, we didn't notice it. But I'm, I, I didn't bring it to their attention. And if there are two or three people in the house, and the light comes on, now, you're not necessarily going to notice it because you're going to think somebody else did it or, you know, something. And so, I mean, I certainly didn't bring attention to it, but we, we noticed it. I mean, you know, and then later when the kids got older, yeah, I mean, I noticed it. You know, they noticed it too. But um, yeah, you you lived in the house for quite some time with with all this going mm-hmm. on. It was just kind of, hey, this is this is our house. This is what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I ask what made you move out? I mean, I saw the oh, documentary. I, I know, but <laughs> let, let's let the listeners hear it. Yeah, uh, and I don't know, you know, how much I'm supposed to tell, but I can tell you the whole story or you know, the whole story. But uh, okay, so uh, that, that you know, it, it, that 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 this incident happened, and then I started thinking back about two or three others that were really suspicious that I had tried to talk myself out of, and then I thought, you know what, I can't talk myself out of this. I'm I'm just not in. I'm through with it. You know, I'm I'm not because this was different, and it was not the normal ghost stuff. It was not the normal ghost stuff, and what it was uh, in general, I think you want me to, but. Uh, these weird light formations started happening in the house, and I can describe multiple. Most of them were like a one-time event, you know, one-time event. But uh, some of them were re- repetitive events, and I can I can tell you about that. And the, you know, like Steve, he is totally a stickler for having everything documented. So we didn't put those in there because it would be like I'm telling you my experience. But if he didn't see it or see something mm-hmm. really similar. He didn't go in the film. And I can appreciate that, and I, I appreciate that about him because everybody knows his reputation. But I just found that eventually, you know, we will probably get some documentation, and then, I'll, you know, then he'll probably be willing to talk. <laughs> but anyway, this uh, that particular night, well, I came home from work, and I remember I was saying a prayer because one of the guys I worked with, he was a, a tech, and I, he was one of my favorite people, and he was just 
you know, laughing all the time and just enjoyed being around. And he had, he had, uh, he got breast cancer. And so that's usually deadly in men. I mean, it really is. But I remember, you know, in a deep prayer meditation, and I just uh, instantly felt like this warmth, you know, this sense of healing. Like I knew, I just, I knew he would be healed. And, it, and as time has told, he was. I went back to work and everything, but it, he was off, you know, a couple of years. But uh, yeah. But anyway, so I was in this just relaxed, meditative, you know, wonderful state, and it was dark in there, you know. And then I mean, pitch black. And then a light came on, and uh, so I opened my eyes, and there was this tunnel, and it was like daylight, daylight, and uh, it, it was it, the light didn't diffuse. That's what I remember. You know, it didn't diffuse. If you shine a flashlight in the room, you can see all around the room a little bit. You know, you can see how to get around. You couldn't in this. It was like a tunnel of daylight, and it was just like daylight. It didn't look like artificial light. It just looked. It was daylight. You could see everything that that tunnel, and you couldn't see a thing outside of it. And that, there was a dresser in there. You could see where it cut off. There was a vacuum cleaner there. I could see the vacuum cleaner. I could see the wallpaper behind it. It was just clear daylight in this tunnel. And I thought, you know, I didn't know what in the name of heaven that was. I mean, I really didn't. You know, I've never had anything like it. I didn't have a scare me there. And not only that, I, I thought, you know, I thought about running, <laughs> running past the door. But I said, I really totally felt a presence by the door over to the left of the door. Mm. I mean, I felt watched. I felt a presence there. And I thought, no way am I going past that. Plus, with that tunnel, I thought, what does it mean if it, you know, if, it, if I'm lost, if, if the tunnel shines toward me, do I disappear? What do I do? I don't know, because I've just read UFO stuff. <laughs> I don't know what to expect, but I know I've never experienced this before. And if I get out of here, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and so, but anyway, and I had to go to work next day, because that was one of those days I had to home live I had to be back at work at uh, 6.30, and so I had to leave home, you know, so, so I thought, you know, now if, even if I left, I don't know what I would do because, uh, I mean, if it's some sort of interdimensional stuff, I'm sure it could follow me if I was the target. Right. If I wasn't the target, it's just, it's just, it might just be something with the house. You know, the location may not have anything to do with me, you know, which I kind of tend to think now that I've had some other experiences. But anyway, I thought, you know, it could follow me, whatever. So I thought, you know, I can't drive around all night. Uh, and so I covered up my head and I kind of dozed off, you know, a little bit. It was real uneasy. But uh, in the middle of the night, I, I, I woke up. I woke up and I pulled the covers in. I looked back and there were these little three buttons of light and and uh, it was like about the size of a deck of cards and it, and on three corners there was a red bright red button of light and now you know that I've seen infrared cameras and stuff like that it looked like that it looked like you know three infrared buttons but back then nothing we didn't have anything tight we didn't have any cameras we didn't have anything and this was in your room in, in that same room in that room downstairs that's not that's yeah in the in the one of the downstairs bedroom but anyway and so I looked at that and I felt like I was being watched I really did I felt like it was like camera you know looking at me and so uh, and then you know after in a little bit I, I felt I just felt this you know I'm just you know I'm telling you how I felt but I felt like then that it noticed me watching it and so it clicked out it just clicked it probably was like 10 seconds that I just scared it because I was trying to think did I leave anything plugged in down there is there anything at all that right. would do that and I, sure. yeah and then uh yeah and then I felt like it observed me watching it and it went click and it just blinked out so, and it was just gone yeah just gone and then it was just gone. So I did, you know, I had a flashlight and I did and looked at, you know, looked around and there was absolutely nothing in there, nothing in there. And, um, and, and then, uh, I mean, but anyway, that was, that was the turn changing point of my whole life. And then I started thinking back about some previous experiences, you know, that I'd had with life that I tried to talk away. And so then I started thinking, you know, that's when I just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to have to move. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but then I started, I got really curious and I, th- I thought, now, you know, who else, uh, who else has stayed at my house? You know, like that nurse stayed there. Uh, my cousin would stay there. She lives in Georgia. She'd come back for family reunions and stuff, and she'd, she'd stay here. And I had a friend that lives on the coast, from the hurricanes would come through. She'd stay here. And I wouldn't even necessarily leave there. And so I asked every one of them, 
if they'd ever had any experiences, you know, at all with light. I didn't ask any leading questions other than with light. And they did. Every single one of them did. And I thought, you know, wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how in depth you want to tell you all the stories, but I mean, really, Uncle Tracy. So. I'm loving your stories. Yeah, there's nothing like validation by numbers. <laughs> well, I mean, there are people. You can talk to people, you know. But I'll tell you one friend, uh, you know, she lived on the coast. And so uh, I asked her, and um, and I asked her if she'd, you know, ever had any experiences with light. And she, she said she didn't. She looked at me, you know, like, you know, she looked at me like with a sense of like incredulous and then at the same time like relief and she said she said I thought I had lost my mind she you know I remember when she told because she, it was a there was a hurricane down there but also she was going through a divorce and she was she she had just gotten down to skin and bones and she thought she said I thought I was having a nervous breakdown she said because she said that um she got in the bed, and she said the first thing that happened was, like, she went into sleep yet, and the bed started pushing down like somebody was walking on it. And she said, I just thought, Ashley, my daughter, was upstairs with the kids, and she said, I thought one of those kids had, you know, come to get into the bed with me. And she said, I reached over there, and there was nobody there. Wow. And so she said she got up, and she looked, yeah, she got up and looked at the bed and, you know, didn't see anything. And she said that she still just couldn't think of anything else. But then she said, that then, then, and this is, what was all these weird stuff? And I've seen stuff like this, but I totally believe her. And she said, in the corner, the corner started glowing like with a light. And and so she said the only thing she could think of was kids are doing something, you know, fooling with her. But anyway, it was like a glowing light and it went out, you know, in the corner. And she said she got back in the bed and she said, then she saw like later, a little bit later, she said she saw like a light coming from up under the bed. And like just glowing like up under the bed. Now I promise you, these things sound weird, but I've that some, I've seen weird, more weird things, but anyway, and so she said she got up and looked under the bed and looked in the closet, and you know there was nothing. And she got back and she said it happened a third time, and this time it was by the window, the blinds. Now those window blinds, there's something about that room and that window that I think it's a portal. I really did. But anyway, she was. Uh, she said that there was a, a light by the window blinds. So she said she got up, got you know, up in the window blinds, looked out because she said that she was convinced that some either some kid was outside tricking in front of blue light in there or something. But there, she said it was dark. There was nobody out there. But anyway, she said, "Don't you remember the next day I asked you if um, you know, I asked the kids if they had you know anywhere near my room or playing any tricks or anything?" And uh, I, I don't know if I remember that. You know, didn't make an impression that she asked that. But at the time, but anyway, uh. But anyway, she 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 did say that. She said that. So I, you know, I really believe her. I, I totally believe. Her. So who are we going to send through the portal? Oh, uh, you know, who are we going to send? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who are we going to send through the portal? I don't know. I just think that I think that there's some sort of energy thing here. That uh, I mean, I, the only thing I can say is I don't know. Well, you know, there's some sort of energy. I don't know where it's going or where it's from or you know anything else. But it's like uh, one time. I saw, I was in the daytime. It was plain daylight. It was daylight in the day. And I, so I looked, and I just passed by that room. The door was open. I looked in there, and there were balls of light, you know, darting around that window. Just like, it was like full on, like, balls of light about maybe eight inches in diameter. And uh, they were bouncing all around that window, all around that window. Did, did they start to increase in frequency as time moved on? Like you would see them occasionally, and then you would just, and then over time you'd start to see them a lot more. Well, the lights didn't happen at all until 2011. So that you know that experience, I talked about 2011, and after that, you know, then I basically moved out. And so then I just started asking other people if they'd had experiences. They were telling me some that they had had before that, you know. And so then after I moved out, you know, I, I when I didn't stay there, of course, I'm not seeing them as much. But I have seen them like because I will stay. I would stay there when somebody would 
was there. Like my daughter would come into town and she would stay, and I would stay. So I've seen them several times like that. And uh, when other people are there, you know, then I would stay and I've, I've seen them. So I rarely, you know, I rarely, rarely stay there now. But uh, if I do, I usually wear an eye mask, you know, because I really don't want to see them. I mean, I really don't, you know, unless, uh, unless, and, and you know, it's like Brad, you know, like he'd say, he'd say, why don't you get your, why don't you get your cell phone and film, you know, and I'm thinking, First of all, my phone probably wouldn't even work in the time it doesn't. But I'm thinking, I'd be terrified to sit there and try to say, oh, let me run and get my cell phone. And I'm trying to, you know, videotape this because I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what it is. And if it's like, if it's like some sort of interdimensional thing, it would be like an ant trying to take a picture of a man or something could squish it in a second. You know, it's like, I don't know what I'm dealing with. You know, and I, I really don't have the whatever it takes to sit there and. Yeah. Try to document. I really don't. I don't. I mean, I'd, I'd love for somebody else to. But, most, I, I, you know, really, um, I think the, I'd love to have the right person to do that. You know, like, okay, so like, we have cameras on there. We have cameras. But you know how cameras are. I mean, unless you know yeah. what time something happened, you, unless you're watching it at that second, you're going to miss it. So it's like some of those lights that I've seen have lasted like maybe 20 minutes, and some of them have lasted uh, 8 seconds, 10 seconds. Oh, 20 minutes? That's a long time. Well, it, ha- it has this. I've seen pulsing lights, pulsing lights, pulsing lights. And I'll tell you, that, I'll tell you a couple of stories like that. But anyway, yeah, and they lasted like 15 or 20 until I went to sleep. And like those balls that I was telling you on the window, those things bounced around, bounced around, bounced around. And I, I looked in the room because I don't really use that room, and there was nothing plugged in. Because I'm looking, you know, is there anything plugged in, on, you know, causing that? I, there was nothing that could have reflected. You know, the, it, it was a closed blind. There was nothing that could have reflected light. And so after, and so after, that lasted about 15 minutes. So after a while, I went outside, and I looked outside, and I got outside, and the same thing. There, there were balls of light around that window. Outside. dancing around that window. And I, you know, out from that same window, on the outside of that same window. You know, that window was to the outside. So I'd been looking at it from the inside of the bedroom, and then I went outside and looked at the window from the outside. And it was there were lights, the balls wow. of light you could still see on the outside. Yeah, and so occasionally they'd dart to one end of the house and come back, and occasionally to the other side and come back. But they basically came back to that area in the window. And I, that lasted until I left. You know, I mean, I probably watched it there, you know, five minutes, and I'd already watched it, like, you know, maybe 15 minutes inside. And, and then, you know, I just left. But the uh, interesting thing about that is my neighbor next door, you know, who moved over there when she was really young, uh, she told me, uh, she had told me before, but and she told me this, and I got to write all this stuff there. But she would be walking her dog, you know, out in the backyard, which borders mine, and she said that when she was little, and she said that the dogs would start barking, and she looked up, and she said she saw balls of light outside that, that, that bedroom window. And she said they were kind of like bluish lights. But the ones I saw were like white, you know, white lights. But she said it was like bluish lights, and she saw them outside that bedroom window more than once. So, you know, she's been a Now, what it means, I don't know. I'm just putting it together from, you know, what I feel. I don't know. You know, I mean, it may be something totally different. I don't know. I, I think that's something Brad wants to really find out. I think the only way, uh, you know, if we could do that, it would be to have somebody you know, who has the ability and the equipment to really stay there, you know, and, and have the the nerve to not be afraid enough to actually videotape it, you know, or to know when it happened. Like if somebody was there and the light came on, you're going to wake up, you know, it's going to wake you up. And so if you could call, you know, if you could write down, you said 206 this morning, you know, this happened. Then Brad could roll back the camera, we could look, but you'd have to be there to see it. No, because otherwise he didn't have 24 hours to go through all that. You know, that's just, you know, unless you had some equipment that would uh, like beat when light comes on. Or, um, you know, or, or when movement, you know, whatever they do. And I don't have that kind of thing. Hey, Brad, if you're listening, um, I volunteer you to stay overnight he for a couple to, of nights. 
I'm doing. I've already asked. <laughs> <laughs> See, we would. I, I I wouldn't think twice about doing that. We would stay overnight. <laughs> I've I've got a question to ask you. You live in a a, a very I won't say very religious, but a very conservative yeah. area. Yeah. Right. You have all these crazy things going on in your house. You're now you've now basically been driven out of your house. What? What made you go to the press? How, I mean, how did that whole thing come about? Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, okay. So after, you know, before then, I just kind of kept it low-key, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'd talk occasionally to my really good friend at work. But in 2011, you know, that was a very sh- shocking, uh, life-altering thing. And I thought, you know, I will not be able to stay here anymore. And so uh, I did talk about that, that at work. And uh, th- there was a, a guy there, a tech. And he's, he's real smart and everything. But anyway, he said, you know, he said, there's a local reporter that's there in Dino, and, and he's dealing with paranormal now, but I didn't know he was, you know, back then. But he said he won, he won an Emmy for paranormal investigative reporting. And so I don't know if he talked it, because I said, I was kind of embarrassed, you know, I mean, because, I mean, you know, you think people think you're, you're an idiot, and I hadn't talked to him. But he, I don't know if he called him already or not. But anyway, I called him, and, uh, and I remember uh, when I you know, had to tell him what I wanted. I remember just being really embarrassed because I'm thinking, you know, they're going to think I'm an idiot because I didn't talk to him. I mean, I talked to somebody else. And then he, he said, what's this about? And I had to say, and I was like, oh, my God. But anyway, he did get him on the phone, and he was very accepting. And uh, he said, would you like us, uh, he said, would you be interested in us televising it? And I thought, well, at this point, why not? I mean, you know, I don't, why not? Because you know, I'm not going to there. And I, really, I worked all the time, and I didn't individually know many of my neighbors. I just, you know, thought in general what they're going to think. But but I didn't, you know, so at that point I said, um, okay, you know, okay. And I remember at that time I told, you know, Mark, my neighbor, that, I only, that was probably the closest I ever had, which was Aaron's dad, you know, that looks like her. And so I saw him at the and I said, uh, Mark, you know, uh, I knew it was going to be televised then, so I thought I'd better tell him. Because I thought, you know, they might think, um, you know, it's going to make your property value go down or you're going to have people out in your yard and stuff. And, and so I thought I'd get a negative response, so I never tell him. But anyway, I said, Mark, I think uh, my house is haunted. And he said, oh, he said, you've come to that conclusion. He said, he said, we knew it was. He said, we didn't tell you because we didn't want to scare you. And so uh, they have just been really supportive. I mean, really, really, really supportive. And so, uh, you know, his daughter, I mean, she's had tons of experiences over here. And she told him from the time she was little that the house was haunted. And they were like, no, you know, you know, it's really not and all this stuff. And so whenever I told him that, he just, so he left in the middle of the conversation and he said, I've got to go call Aaron. I think she was in college, a class. He said, I've got to go call Aaron. He said, because we've been telling her all these years, you know, that, that it, you know, it wasn't true. And he said, I'm going to go have to apologize. And he just left the conversation and went and called her. <laughs> but, uh, but it, but, but that was very supportive. And, and, you know, so, I mean, and Aaron, Aaron has experienced, Aaron has experienced some dramatic stuff. She's actually the only part that, I mean, what people have seen like, Shadow figures that they could identify real, real quickly as male, you know, like that. But she saw, she saw a full body apparition. Oh wow! Clearly enough, yeah, like six or seven seconds. She was, she's the only one who just clearly saw one. Uh, but anyway, this, I mean, she was cutting my grass. You know, I was hired in to cut my grass. She was cutting my grass with Ryan Lomore, and she got to the back door, and there's a glass door, and she said she got dropped right by, and she looked up, and she said she saw this figure standing in the door. And it was a male figure, and she said he was, uh, you know, uh, she said he was very, you know, like a young person, like 1920. She said he was very nice looking, nice and dressed. She said he had his hair combed back and, uh, you know, like a, you know, pooch, pooch back. And she said he looked like some young actor, you know, Clark Gable or something. But anyway, uh, but, it, but uh, okay, so, you know, she described that. She come at work. I mean, I, I would totally believe her, but her voice was shaking, and uh, I told her to call John because we tried to 
Did he seem, did she say, did he seem like he was from that period, like Clark Gable period? Yeah, but I can tell you, let me tell you, this that's the end of that story. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, she, she said he had a long sleeve white shirt, looked wealthy, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And so then later, okay, this is, uh, at least, this was at least four years later. Uh, I think we figured that was, what, four years later. But uh, we, we got a genealogy. We, we have a book. This, the, this town was settled by uh, Silas Singh. And uh, they they were wealthy. They 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 owned everything in town because they settled it. I mean, they they just took all the land. They owned it, and so they were very wealthy. But anyway, uh, so we got a genealogy, for, and they were they were um, you know, like into society and into this and all that. And so they 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 had a they have everything documented. They have a genealogy. I have this book. Aaron found it and printed it out for me. It's like a bunch of pages, five hundred pages. But anyway, it traces their genealogy back to. Actually, it traces it back to the Revolutionary War when they they left England, came here, came to South Carolina, came here, you know. But anyway, uh, so we were looking back through that, and we were flipping through that and looking at pictures. And when she got to this one picture, she said, "That is the, the that's the ghost that I saw right oh, wow. there." And his name was I know, and his name was uh, the Reverend Henry Sting, Reverend Henry Sting, and uh, he was wearing like a clerical collar and that. But she said he had just like a long sleeve white shirt and thing. But she said that was it. And he looked like she described. He had his hair combed back, you know, kind of pushed up. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, and they were wealthy people. And, uh, you know, but anyway, she said, that's him. That's him. Wow. And uh, so, but the interesting, you know, now, and now I know, you know, a lot of people don't believe in all, you know, like, uh, you know, any kind of medium stuff. But I'm just open, open to stories, whatever people want to say. I'm listening. I mean, I, you know, whatever I make a judgment, I just hear what you have to say. But there was a, a medium. <laughs> And actually, one that came, you know, and she said that she said there was a spirit in that house that's not so nice, you know. She said not so nice, and she, and she you know, they didn't put this in the film, but I'm she thought of it. She said, uh, she said uh, he was not a nice person, but she said he was a, a she said a feminine clerical garb. But she said he was not a nice person, you know. And so she, you know, but anyway, and I thought, damn, because she didn't know Aaron's uh, picture had picked that out that he was. You know, Reverend. You know, and so I thought, well, you know, that's just weird how this stuff ties together. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but it sure is a lot, a lot of coincidences. Did you have you ever felt anything malevolent in the house? No, honestly, I, no, yeah, I have not. I mean, I have not. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be suggestible and say, yeah, I did because somebody said it. No, I have not. In fact, I feel like it's very supportive. You know, I mean, I really do because, you know, that sort of disconcerted me a little bit. But I thought, no, I haven't felt anything like that. And nobody else has either. Nobody has ever said. You know, we, we, one time we all had a nightmare the same night. John, uh, he'd done an investigation, and I had a horrible nightmare. And I called my friend Kel because she was there, too. And she said, oh, I did, too. She said, I had a horrible nightmare. And so I <laughs> John, I said, we both had nightmares after that thing, and he said, I did, too. And I thought, oh, my God. But no, but as far as, like, real, yeah, I know it, but, it, but as far as reality, no. Oh, no, I've never had anything negative. In fact, you know, like, you know, if you, if you, if you want to be entertained, you can go to John's website that he's had for a long time. It's called Smoke and mm-hmm. Mirrors, P.I. Paranormal Investigators. He's got a lot of EVPs on there. You know, he's got a lot of EVPs. And I feel that's what he was all about. You know, when he first came, he liked getting EVPs. And I remember just him just getting EVPs quickly. And, 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 you know, there's, there's a female voice that we get all the time and there's a male voice we get all the time and the female, you know, we call Lily. And anyway, so, uh, but anyway, you can hear her, you know, one of the easy pieces, you know, she said, I love y'all. You know, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, yeah. And so, and then one time, uh, he came in and he just, um, he taped everything, you know, so he came in and he taped and he, he just rolled it back in about two minutes. Cause he said he didn't like to have like, you know, 20 minutes of tape. You got to go back over. Mm-hmm. So he played like two minutes. 
And when he played it back, it said, hi, Kellen. Kellen was the, the investigator that he first started coming out here with. And that's not a real common name, you know, Kellen. And then I was on the coast, I remember, he sent me that little clip, and he said, hi, Kellen. And it was the same voice that said, I love y'all, you know. And uh, so I, I think that's the female. And uh, that voice has been here the whole time, ever since he was in college. And it's, uh, she's got a personality. I mean, she really does. She has a personality of her own. She's she kind of sad. Flirtatious. I think she's flirtatious with John, really. <laughs> I mean, I think she likes Well, he's cute. But, I mean, I did. Yeah, I did because uh, like, I'm sure that like one time he was like, he said something. He, I, and she, this is on tape, you know, the EVP. And, and she said, don't be jealous. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then one time, uh, one time when Brad first started coming, Brad got EVPs really quick, too, you know. And so, uh, but he was all excited because, you know, this was new to him. The whole mm-hmm. thing was new and to come in and get EVPs and everything. And I remember, so we got this female voice, and, and it was Lily. And he said, he said, um, and, you know, it was new. And he said, can you tell me your name? And she said, yeah. <laughs> but she didn't tell. <laughs> 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 but I'm like, you know, she's really got a person out there. I mean, she really does. And so it's like, you can, you know, wait, I've heard this so many times in different paranormal groups. They keep their own recordings, but it's out there somewhere. But, but, that, but a lot of times they'll just say, who owns this house? And uh, you'll always get Alice. I mean, they, I've heard that. Oh, that's amazing. 50 times. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, we've got it. I mean, it's on YouTube. I can tell you how to get to it. It's that when you hear my own. I mean, we've got it all the place. But anyway, uh, so... Uh, but one time, you know, they were, they were doing an investigation way later. I mean, we probably asked that question 500 times. They probably got tired. But so, uh, so you know, Johnson, he was his house. And a male voice said, I do. And then, then literally the female voice says, I do. You know, it's like they're playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they live there. I think it's conscious. And I think the reason they've had good luck you know, getting responsive is because they've been here so long and the spirits have been here so long and they know each other. I know it's conscious. I mean, I have absolutely no doubt that it's conscious. It's a conscious interaction. I promise you it's conscious. Even I work, you know, I talk too much about this. I, I don't talk a lot about things, but I can tell you about this. But I had, I worked at a Catholic hospital for, you know, 38 years, 37 years, whatever. Anyway, uh, one of the nuns came out here with me and uh, she spent two nights out here. And uh, so they did an investigation and, and uh, you know, they were asking flashlights to come on off and they did and stuff like that. And uh, so she said, she said, uh, I know their conscious presence is there. She said, I just don't know how to reconcile it with my Catholic beliefs. And she said, do you think it's purgatory? I don't know. You know, I don't know, but I'm just, you know, but anyway, she said she is totally convinced that it's conscious. I do like your portal idea. Uh, it, it really, from everything you're describing and everything I've seen, it really does seem like a portal between here and somewhere. Thank you for that. I, I like the feedback. I really do. But, uh, you know, uh, I had never talked to a medium until uh, this happened. You know, and then I got a gift for a reading for my birthday, and I used it. But this medium, and I, I talked to, like, two that I know pretty well, and they, they both did the same thing. But they said that those two spirits that are here all the time, that they they died, and they successfully crossed over, and they were good people, and they did what they were supposed to do. And they, they said, when you die, you don't just sit around on a cloud. You know, you actually live. You know, you actually live, and you have meaning and purpose and all that. And that they chose to come back here uh to help these newly dead spirits move on, that that there are different levels of spirit, and that the ones that come through here are the ones that just die. They may not even know they're dead, and that this is like a resting place, and, and that those two other spirits are nurture and keep things down in case they're <laughs> sitting out of... Like a custodian or a facilitator. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that makes perfect sense because we get a male and a female, you know, regularly, and then from time to time, you'll get you get children's voices. You may get 
a rural Duke voice, you know, that, that we never hear again, you know, innumerable other voices, but they don't, they're not consistent. The only two that are consistent is that one male and one female. So whatever that means. They're probably the custodians. I think so. You know, I really do. I really do. And, I, and there, there's a spirit, you know, like removal group or whatever. Somebody thinks they need to help them move on one time. And I thought, you know, I don't know enough about this to, to interfere with another person's life. I mean, if that's their purpose, that's beyond my level, you know. I mean, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, they're probably doing what they're supposed to be doing. So whose who's idea was it to call in Steve? I had that all come about. Yeah, I can tell you. Okay, so, you know, John and I, you know, we were here for years. And John just basically, you know, is introspective. He, you know, he didn't uh, go out trying to call attention to anything. You know, he was just, you know, just curious himself. And, okay, okay, and then, okay, so then, then that happened. Okay, well, after Karen Dito did that, uh, it was Powell one year. And then Walt Grayson, who was another... Another reporter, you know, here, uh, somebody, t- I, well, actually, the lady my house, I think, told him about the house, and uh, so he did a little a little program on, okay, this is exactly what happened, so they, he did a little news program on it for Helen. Okay, Brad, this is, I guess, four years ago now, so Brad just happened to be watching that. I didn't know Brad, he didn't know us. He just happened to be watching that, and so then when he saw that, you know, he got in touch with Aaron and uh, uh he asked if he could come out, and I said, okay, so he came out. So that's how I met Brad. That was like four years ago. Okay, so Brad is a podcaster. So he knows, you know, he's just, he knows lots of people. So he interviews, uh, you know, writers, singers, um, artists, you know, uh, celebrities on uh, his podcast. Everybody. And so he, <laughs> yeah, he, just, he does. And uh, so he ended up uh, meeting Steve's uh, manager at the time. You know, I don't think he's still his manager, but it was at the time. And so he ended up, you know, talking to him, and he, Told him, told him some things about the house, and, you know, he thought, you know, anyway, I, did, I honestly, you know, didn't know who Steve was because I never watched TV, but Brad told me who he was, and he said, I think it would be really good if we could get somebody like that to come out because, uh, you know, he's like top-notch, and he's got a stellar reputation, and he's not going to tell you anything. If, yeah, if it's not true, you know, he's not going to tell you anything, uh, if it's not true. And so I thought, well, why not? <laughs> so I, I called, and uh, sure enough, yeah, but they'd happen, you know, so that was a story, too. I mean, really, I mean, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I know we we can't talk about things that were happened in the documentary. We have to talk about them without actually talking about them. But <laughs> I'm trying to talk around them. Steve, I've got to say, Steve is probably the one that got me taking this. I don't want to say taking it seriously, but more scientifically. Because yeah. I grew up with experiences my whole life, um, and I, I came across their sci-fi show back when they had it on sci-fi mm-hmm. and his his step back and analyze it and try and and find scientific reasons for it or common reasons for it without jumping in and saying yep this is a ghost yep this is an orb yep this is a spirit uh i love that approach and and he's the one who just made me think hey this is something that i could do well yeah and now i think he i think sometimes he almost goes too far the other way. Like, you can have a clear EVP, but if he wasn't there and he didn't hear it, he's not going to use it. And I can appreciate that because, if he, you know, if he wasn't there, neither was the audience. They weren't there either, so they don't, you know. So I understand. I totally understand. I totally understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Is that why there's no EVPs in the documentary? I get it. Because I know both Brad and John talk about it. They they talk about all the EVPs they capture and everything else, but there's really not any in the documentary, which surprised me. Now that's why, because if he didn't hear it, I mean, we got some while he was here, and I, I mean, everybody agreed that <laughs> they were pretty clear, you know. But if he didn't, if he wasn't there and he didn't hear it, 
he's not going to use it. And I can understand that because if somebody listening or watching would say, well, how do you know, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And that he's looking at like he's watching it from the audience, you know, and without knowing anything, you know, and he just, he's just not going to use them. So that's okay. But, uh, but you could come yourself with your own cell phone, with, you know, we've had investigators do that, uh, go into a room by yourself and you, you know, you'd have a pretty good shot of getting one, you know, I mean, really. So, I mean, they're not hard to come by, uh, but he's just he's just not going to use them, and that's fine, you know. I'm going to be honest with you. I would love to, if I could ever get out that way, I would love to come spend the night in that house. I will tell you that. With the cameras and with our our things, our recorders and things, um, there's something about that house that's just, that just, it just draws me. It's incredible. Well, you, I mean, you're more than likely going to get something. I mean, you're more than likely going to get something. I, I, don't, uh, I don't have any hesitation at all. Uh, I, have, I have to run everything by, you know, Kindle and save as far as, like, you know, what they want typed and, you know, and all that. And I will do that. I will ask because that would that would be my goal to have people who are used to filming, who knows what they're doing and has the equipment to do it, to do that. So, you know, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, ask, um, I'll ask Kindle that. And it's fine with me. I mean, I would welcome it. I would totally welcome it. So how, how did it feel to have all these people stomping around in your house? And I know it didn't happen overnight. It was years that they were doing this, right? Yeah, yeah years. Well, I, uh, I met some uh, very interesting people, and I, I've liked everybody that I've met in the film. Everybody who's interested is, uh, is interesting. I mean, to me, I mean, they've all been interesting people. And I just, I like to know different people's experiences, their, you know, impressions, uh, just, uh, they're interesting people, you know, to me. And I think, uh, I think that, some big inroads will be made in this field. I mean, surely, you know, uh, okay, Michael Dennon, I read his book. I just love his book, Physicist. You know, he said uh, uh, most of what we know about physics is best explained by more than the dimensions that we know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, four dimensions. And uh, he said we just are not there yet. But I think that's probably true. I think eventually that we will be there because somebody will say that it exists, and so they will find it. And so then, then this will fit right in and say, oh, that's why that happened, and that's how that could happen. And because, for instance, like these lights, okay, you know, like he said, uh, lights, okay, it's going to have some sort of origin, and, uh, okay, so they happen, and I look, there's no electrical origin, there's no reflection from anywhere, and so there's, it's unknown origin, so I'm thinking, it's unknown, but it doesn't mean there's not an answer, it's just that we don't know it right now, you know, uh, Eventually, we'll probably maybe understand. I mean, surely, you know, understand how that could happen. And 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 voices too. It's like you've got evidence of them. You can hear them on your recorder. You were there. You know, nobody else said anything. Uh, it's not like a static. You know, it's not even like the um, the, the whatever that box is. You know, that they use all the time. It's not even like that where they use uh, radio waves. I, I can't take that box. That box drives my ears crazy. <laughs> Well, I, I think it. I think it does the spirits too, though. I really think it does. I think it annoys them because I remember John used to play that thing. And it would drive everybody crazy, and so he would say, uh, "If you want us to turn this thing off, you know, please turn the chandelier off." And the chandelier would go off because it's like they don't want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one way to get them to cooperate. <laughs> yeah. I really believe that. I believe it is cooperative. You know, just as an aside here, you know, I have uh, my grandson this week, and he's 21, 22, but, uh, you know, he had a hydrocephalus at birth, so he's, he's got some brain damage. I mean, he's uh, brilliant. I mean, he's brilliant in some ways, but he's, he's brain damaged in some ways, but he's real simple. And so uh, he he does well with the getting, getting things to happen. Like last night, you know, we, we were over at my friend's house, and she'd been here, and we were talking about all this stuff and all that stuff. And uh, anyway, he came in with me, and uh 
he said, Eric, you know, would you turn the sensor off for me? And within two minutes, it just went off. Just like, I've got one on video where he did it, you know, another time he's here, but he's done it. But it, but it just turned right off. I mean, it's like, you know, I think it's conscious in that that have, you know, I, I, I can sit here for 10 years and that thing won't go off. It won't go off unless somebody else is here or, you know, we're specifically talking to it or about it. Uh, and it, it, it'll go off. It's almost like it wants to be known. If I sit here by myself, it's not going to go off. It never has. We can we can put that thing on, turn the light on, watch it on for days and days and days. It's not going to go off. But if you but if you have a group here and they're talking to it, or you say sometimes that happens and we'd like it to happen, it, it very well might go off. So it's it's like conscious, you know. And so the good thing about that is we have witnesses and you know documentation. It's more likely to happen if you have witnesses. It really is. So that's why when we used to do investigations, people loved it, and they'd want to come back and they'd bring people because uh, more things seemed to happen when there was a group here, you know? I mean, they they brought their cameras, and they'd, you know, get the doors open, and they'd get lights going off, they'd get things moved uh, they're, with their own equipment, you know? Flashlights turning off and on, they'd bring mag lights and use their own mag lights. I've got, you know, clips of that kind of stuff. You know, I didn't use any of that stuff. No. I, I, you, you don't seem like the type to go in there and do that. You just go and kind of, it, to me, it seems like you go in and it's like, yeah, this is what happens. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, they do it. I just stand by and watch what, you know, I don't have, like, I don't have any equipment. I don't, I'm, you know, I can tell you I'm not technologically savvy. Nothing, any kind of equipment doesn't work with me. I don't like it. And, uh, but I just watch what they do. You know, I watch what they do and, and I'm happy to help them anyway. And if they're going to bring a group through, I'll have some feed out and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't get involved in the real work of it you know so have you had experiences in other places or is it just this house yeah just this house that's it wow yeah interesting mm-hmm. never i mean mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't consider myself you know a psychic in any way a medium in any way or anything it's something uh objectively about the land this place this place you know uh i don't even think it uh, i don't know i don't think it's necessarily even me other than the fact that i'm willing to uh work with it and open it up but I think it's the place, the land. Alice, do you have any uh, water, like a, a pond or a creek or stream or anything like that, water source on the property? Yeah, there's a stream. Uh, you know, there's a stream behind the house. Yeah, water. Yeah, there's water behind the house. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's an interesting question. Well, I'm thinking, so maybe indigenous people from a long time ago or settlers after that or... Something like that may have uh, resided there, and generally, the first thing you need is a water source, right, for people. And so, right. I like to know if there's a, a natural source of water on the property because obviously, it's not the house itself, because it's like a, a modern yeah. build. Right, it wasn't built in. Yeah, yeah, there is water, and uh, I do think it's the land. I mean, I just, I do, but because, like I said, because when we're building it, you know, all right. that stuff happened. Yeah, I do think it's the land. Do you, do your neighbors have experiences in their house? Well, no, no. Uh, you know, my next door neighbor, no. Mm-mm. So it's that that particular plot. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. something going on with that particular plot. I don't know. I, I've had you know mediums tell me different things, but you know, of course, I don't have anybody to that. But yeah, no, Indians did on this land because uh, they traced. You know, whenever they did that uh, genealogy and all that, well, then we had a we had a historian that came out here. And she traced the land, you know, back to where the government bought it from the Indians in 60-acre tracks. And uh, so they, they traced it back, you know, to where the government bought it from the Indians. So obviously the Indians had it, you know. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That, that is interesting. Any artifacts, any pottery fragments, arrowheads, uh, 
points, anything like that ever discovered, or has anyone really searched for them? Well, what time, you know, I, I got a mail detector in Brandon. You know, we, we piddled around with that. Uh, and uh, we, we, all we did, we found some, we didn't, you know, do it really in depth all over the place, but, but uh, we, we just found some, uh, like, metal form, little pieces of form equipment and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's an acre, and we didn't, you know, we, it's a lot of, uh, trees and tree roots and stuff, and you know we didn't dig that much, but we did dig some. Right, sure. Yeah, but we didn't. No, we didn't. We haven't found anything like that. That's interesting. Although in Byram, you know, one guy that used to come here in Byram, they did find some uh, archaeological stuff there that predated civilization in this area back years. I mean, like thousands of years. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any reason to know that that happened here. And it doesn't seem like the two predominant entities in the house are from are, that period yeah they, they seem to be later like but maybe they were attracted because of this energy and this activity i don't know you know the, the, when i first got that reading i heard that means i was rachel lying i think she was really good because she told me some stuff that later turned out to be true she told me that uh the family you know i mean it's just really amazing because when she told me i just you know kind of brushed it aside because she told me that uh the family came from south carolina that they were very wealthy and you know, she said she just kept saying something about carbon monoxide, something like uh, something that reminded her of fire. She did say all that, but anyway, so later I, I, you know, I heard it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know. So, but later when that historian came and she told me, she said, you know, this family, you know, they came from South Carolina and they, I was fine. And she said they owned everything there. And I thought, well, because I thought, you know, when Rachel Lane was telling me that, I thought she just thought I lived in a Southern Annabella mansion and all that, you know, and I didn't. So I just thought. She just maybe picking something like that up, but but that's not what she said. What she said was exactly true. But anyway, but the point with that was, she said the female. She said she didn't die on this land, but she said her uh, father did on the land. And uh, she said the other spirit, the male spirit. She said she thinks that he came after her, like they met after death, because they both had this common uh, project of uh, helping these lower level spirits go through. She said she didn't think they knew each other in life. That's what she said. Huh. That, that is actually really interesting. Yeah, it is. Do you feel better about the house now? Now that Steve and everybody's been there and, and I want to call them the boys, but I can't. <laughs> uh, John and Brad are, are, are in there and everything. Yeah, I think it's a big support system and, and you know, you can, you can talk about, it, but, but, um, they, they, uh, I guess the, the only concept, the, the gun stuff I can live with. I really can't. I even think it's protective. It's like last night when George said, "Would you, Eric? Would you please turn this light off?" And it went off. I felt like he was catering to him. You know, I felt like it was very protective. You know, and that's fine. But uh, those lights, I still don't know what those things are. You know, and so I'm thinking the other thing I can say is if I disappeared, at least everybody in the world would know where, what happened. <laughs> 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 that's- <laughs> Maybe not where you went, but how you or went. how you how you went. <laughs> And, and I'd be like, well, I told you. I just... <laughs> but I actually got scared last night because, once again, I don't stay here all and somebody's with me, but George was with me. And, uh, okay, he did that and the light came on. And even though I've seen, I've seen that a hundred times, it still is unnerving in a way because I'm thinking there's some conscious presence here that actually sees us and knows what we're doing and responds to it. And he says, turn the light off and it turns off. And so I was, I mean, I am, I can't help it. You know, you still get a little bit nervous. If people were here, I think it was cool. You know, that's great. But maybe here, you're just a little bit nervous. But anyway, so, uh, but anyway, uh, last night, I woke up, first of all, I, it, it, like, I woke up at four o'clock and I was, I was smelling like, it like gar- barbecue, barbecue grill, you know, and uh, so I thought, I used to smell bacon here and stuff all the time, but I didn't smell that, but I thought I was somewhere else because I was smelling that little, like, barbecue grill, and so, it, so I got up, you know, and, uh, 
I got up and turned the lights on to the hall, and uh, I heard a weird sound come from the kitchen. It was like a, a vacuum sound. And honestly, I was too scared to go down there to check. Like a like a vacuum cleaner? Like a vacuum cleaner? Like a... You know, it's like a sucking sound. Oh, like a sound. sucking sound. Not a vacuum cleaner, but a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, like a suction sound. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I was, I was scared to get in there because, I, I, you know, I thought it wasn't a human because all the doors were still tight and the alarm didn't go. But I thought, now, whatever, I don't, that was weird, but I'm not going to go down there and check it out because I thought, you know, I'm just going to leave well enough alone. And so I did. But, I, you know, I still get unnerved by things like that. When you do stay overnight, do you ever go back and look at the DVRs? No, I don't even know how to go back and look over the DVRs. Really Apparently, don't. neither do we. <laughs> That's a story for another day. But <laughs> well, 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 Brad can. Now, like, like if I like if I said, uh, you know, at four o'clock, I heard something. But I don't think we really have that much in the kitchen. We usually have it in the living room and the other rooms. And you know, uh, I don't. I'm, we, we, you can see the kitchen door open, you know, from that camera. But we don't have a camera directly in the kitchen, so I don't think he would have got anything. But I did. You know, that reminds me of something I didn't really think about this. But one time, uh, you know, uh, I was in the kitchen and uh, I heard I heard a male voice say hello, and it sounded like it was coming through a tunnel. You know, it sounded like it was about. Well, across the kitchen, like you know, like you know, four or five feet across the kitchen, but it felt like it was coming through through a tunnel with an echo. Yeah, like, like hello. Yeah, it was like hello, like you would say when you answer a phone. You don't know if somebody's there. And uh, I remember that, and I thought that was odd. And then I remember one time I was folding clothes on the couch, and I heard this whoosh, sound, and then I heard a like bubble pop, bubble pop. It was like a big swishing sound, and then two bubble pops. And I remember that that made the hair stand up, you know, my you know my head. And I got, you know, I ran outside. And then when I ran outside, I thought, you know, if these people were here, and I heard that, that'd be cool. You could tell them that'd be cool. But since nobody's here, it's unnerving. So I went back in there, and I said, you know, I just said to whoever was there, I said, you know, I know we're trying to communicate, and I heard that, but I can't see you or whatever. And so I sat down the stairs, put my shoes on because I was seeing the legs, and I heard uh, the pushing sound again by my ears. So you know, I'm, to me, to me, I'm thinking, is that some sort of interdimensional attempt to communicate. I don't know. It sounds like it's some kind of attempt to communicate. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It does to me, too. I, you know, I really get the feeling that they're trying to communicate with us as well as we are with them, and it's spotty. You know, casually it'll bleed through in contact, but, like, sometimes it's spotty. I believe, personally, that they're probably more motivated to communicate with us, those that don't just cross over and stay completely in their realm. Mm -hmm. I think they're more apt to want to communicate with us than we are with them. You know, you may be right. You may be right. Because, you know, again, Rachel Lang, I mean, if you're one of the good lady, I mean, she's really good. But uh, she said that the spirits want to be known. She said they want to be known. And she said they want to help us succeed because that, it's what it will take to get their message out. Yeah, you know? and I think she's right. And, and I don't. I wish I could tell you that experience when Steve first came, but I don't know if I'm supposed to, so I won't. Right. But uh, it was, like, extraordinary. It was extraordinary. And it's like th- those spirits come through when they know they need to. Like, like, we think, I don't know how much energy it takes, but when they need to, they come through every time, every time, every time. They might not just do it for entertainment, but they know that there's somebody there that needs to know it because it's going to help get their message out they'll do it. I mean, we've, we've talked about that. It's like, they're going to do whatever it takes and we're, you know, we're trying, we're agreeable. But eventually somebody will break some barrier and really will help their message get out and I think it'll make a big dent in our knowledge yes. of the whole universe. Really, I do. So, Alice, do you think there'll be a part two to this documentary? Or we can't talk about that either? Well, I don't know. I mean, I seriously don't know. I haven't 
I don't have anything concrete or anything like that. I know that personally, you know, we're continuing to document, but we would be doing that anyway, you know, uh, and they're, they're continuing to try to get uh, responses, you know, and of course we would do that anyway. So once you get something that happens a lot, then you go on to something else and you try to get that and so forth. You know, that's been amazing because a lot of these things didn't happen until they specifically ask. And, and then once uh, we get a response, it seems like it's a lot easier for them to do it and we get multiple responses. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're still going to do that regardless of, you know, what happens. I mean, regardless of the outcome, you know. Great. Can, can I just say you have been the most charming guest I think we've had on this show, like, ever. You are just the sweetest person. <laughs> well, you said it's just conversation, and I, I can deal with that, you know, just conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a conversation. We, we're not going to interrogate. I'd love to hear your stories. I mean, I really would. You know, what your experiences, your stories, things that happened to you in your life, why you were interested in this. I mean, I'd love to hear all that, too. I really would. You so, Someday, uh, we're going to have to sit down and, and just have a, a chit-chat. And just uh, just share stories. Our stories are weird. They're strange. We did a place recently that kind of has us scratching our heads about everything yeah. under the sun. <laughs> um, and I'd, again, I'd love to come out and, and do an investigation at, at your house sometime if you ever open it up for investigators to come out. Yeah, I need to talk to you about that because, you know, I think the only way we're going to get any light documentation is to do that. I mean, open it up to people who have the ability and the interest and the equipment to do that. Yeah. And I promise we would stay overnight. We we wouldn't break anything. We'd stay overnight and we'd try and capture everything. Because, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, before the filming came along, I, you know, I, you couldn't get anybody to stay here and do that. Yeah. We, we, we heard something about that, about not being able to get crews to come <laughs> in, to electricians to come in, or right. plumbers or anything to to validate. Uh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've had, yeah, I have, oh, my goodness. I can tell you, everything you said brings another story to mind. But yeah, yeah, we've had people leave midstream, and I mean, uh, gee, uh, yeah. So at the end of every interview I've done uh, for the house in between, I've made a desperate plea for Steve and Kendall to come and <laughs> sit with us. <laughs> So this is my desperate plea for Steve and Kendall to come and sit with us and tell us about their experiences. I figure if I'm going to do a series, I might as well stay consistent. Right. <laughs> well, uh, that would that would that would be good. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it'd be good. I mean, we're here. I think they did a great job of hitting you know every high point. They did, but uh, it's just a lot could be expounded on under each topic. But they hit they hit all the topics. They they are two of the top in this field, right? Kendall with his, his cinematography mm-hmm. and production uh, and, mm-hmm. and Steve with his investigation skills. There's, there's nobody better than him. Right. And again, you know, I almost, I, I, you know, I know this is kind of stepping out, but I really almost feel like this is divinely ordained or orchestrated like it's supposed to be because they're, they are, they're, they're just the best and they just, you know, pop into our lives effortlessly. And it's, it's just, and then everything worked together. Like it was, supposed to you know like magic and it's almost like it you know like people say the song sang itself through me or something like that the story wrote itself through me i'm thinking this. oh that's amazing that you say that because i have a song that i wrote that exactly that's my claim i didn't write it it was completely channeled through me okay right right i understand it i understand i think when you're on your right spiritual path that happens and i think like this story like i don't understand it but i feel like if i do my part it's going to be written the way it's supposed to be written and it's like without effort that's awesome it's like you know you can like yeah you're an observer you just see what's happening that's amazing i understand you totally there's just something about your house alice 
Yeah. I gotta tell you, um, your I, house or your property or or something. It's, it's all of it. It's like this this combination. Just just the feel of the house itself and the land around it, and there's just something about it that is is just uh, so compelling. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, you know, we've had, literally, we've had, or like uh, Kendall told me, this psychic, you know, she told me some stuff, and he said, you know, that's amazing. He said, I've gotten the same message, you know, like from somebody, I didn't even know, somebody who said that she felt that from watching the film. And I'm thinking, you know, they, people can, like, and this, well, there's this one woman from Australia, and she said, I just, you know, she's just totally drawn to it. You can see it. And I'm thinking, I think people across the world have never been here, but there's something about it that right. uh, attracts in them. You know, it's just, it's, it's really amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, and John is right. People who came to spend the night, like one family, they came from uh, uh, Louisiana. But they've been here like three times. You know, it's like it's something just keeps pulling people back, you know. Yeah. It, oh, gosh, I know. <laughs> I've, I've seen the film five times. We're, we're at five now. Yeah, you know, uh, some, some stuff I saw a, a, a few times and didn't see it the first time. Like, <laughs> you know, like one time, when, well, I don't know, I'm going to say that, but if you really watch it, yeah, you'll see things that are interesting or important that you didn't say the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's one of the things. And I've I've interviewed Brad and I've interviewed John, and and we're having this really great conversation here. And before I talk to any of you, I watch the film again. Yeah. Because I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything. I want to make sure that I understand your point of view and and everything else. But it just it just pulls you right in. It's like, hey. You know, it's like, oh, look, it's a, it's another paranormal documentary. It's probably cheesy, everything. It's not. It's really not. Listeners, I've told you before. I'll tell you again. <laughs> Go see it. The link will be in the notes. <laughs> you want to see it. It is it is an awesome documentary. I think that whatever it touches, you know, like he was he was saying, uh, I think it touches the chord in people, you know, like in your uh, intuition. I and mean, maybe that's what it is, you know. It's like it's a story that grasps our, our own inspiration or something you know and have you have you encountered recently a child a little girl specifically in the house yeah well I've, we've had uh, i've had we've had a number of uh, like sensitive mediums you know come and uh, they do say that you know children are in the house yeah little girls well some people i haven't myself i'm not i'm not like sensitive like that really but anyway uh yeah so some people come and they'll and uh They'll bring toys for the little girl. Like, you know, somebody bring little tinkle bells and people have brought little dolls and, <clears throat> and stuff because they'll take for the little girl. And, you know, they see that. But I I don't. But, yeah, we've had people say that. So sometimes when I'm doing interviews, I get weird flashes of things. And with you, I'm getting it's a, a little blonde girl, a little, little, like me, I'm going to say six, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. Blonde girl, pigtails, mm-hmm. uh, a dolly, like a rag dolly kind of thing. And that's why I'm asking, because it just keeps popping in my head. Well, uh, you know, I, I personally don't, don't say things, or, or I'm not sensitive to other people, but I, if I have somebody in here who is, I will certainly ask. I know we had a visit one time, and I just, you know, we were within the table, and I saw her kind of wave, you know, down the hall, and I said, what is it? And she said the little girl was picking up the door, you know. Oh, cool. And she just figured, like, yeah, yeah. Well, a- ask her if it was a little blonde girl with pigtails. <laughs> Yeah, I, I probably won't see that woman again because she just was a bitch and, you know, okay. going through with somebody. But uh, I will, though, if, they're, if you know, if we get any mediums or sensitive people, you know, I will. I want to lead them on. I'll just ask, you know, ask, what do you see here, you know? That would be awesome. Well, we, we are sadly, sadly out of time. Uh, I don't want this call to end. This is awesome. But we, we, we are at our one-hour mark. 
Alice, thank you so much. You have you have just been wonderful. Well, I can just talk. That's it. I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, I just like what it is. I thought. <laughs> but uh, but I've enjoyed talking to you too. I really have. And uh, I'll you know I'll see what the possibility is of taking you up on having somebody say you. That'd be great. Oh, that would be awesome. Thank yeah, you. sure would. You you know how to reach us. Okay. <laughs> You you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to y'all too. I hope I really get to meet you one day. That'd be great. Yes, it would. <laughs>